3. Amen. Verse 4. And tonight we're going to be dealing with the subject of <clears throat> intimacy phobia. A phobia about intimacy. And when I use the word intimacy, I'm not just talking about physical relationship. I'm talking about vulnerability, your willingness to open up and let people into your life. And your willingness to go into other people's life in an intimate way. So tonight, if you would please look at Psalm 143, verse 4. Now trust that it's really going to bless you. Amen. David said this, Psalm 143, verse 4. Y'all going to have to pray for me. I'm just, I can't get over this emotion. I just, I can't. Y'all pray for me, all right? He says, would you just lift your hand and pray? Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Psalm 143, verse 4. Therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Psalm 143, 4. Again, therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your awesome spirit here tonight. <clears throat> you are so good and so gracious and so kind and so loving, so merciful and so wonderful to us. I give you glory and honor and praise tonight in Jesus' name. Use this service to bless your people. You may be seated. <clears throat> the fear of intimacy. When David talks about his soul here, he talks about his spirit being overwhelmed. He says his heart with him is desolate. He's literally in a place where grief and fear has taken hold of him, just totally taken over him. It has to do with being awestruck. When you talk about being overwhelmed and being desolate, it's being awestruck. It's being full of fear. It ultimately is a picture, when you talk about desolation, it's a picture of a howling wilderness. David got to a place in his life where he was on the inside, a howling wilderness. He was so overwhelmed in spirit and desolate on the inside is as if the presence of the Lord wasn't even there. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like a howling wilderness? The picture is a city. 
that has been overrun by the enemy. The enemy has gone into a city, has completely left it desolate, left it but a mere shadow of what it used to be. It's like basically a, a ghost town. You've heard that statement before, a ghost town. And David is saying this about himself. He's talking about himself. And he says his spirit's overwhelmed within me. His heart within me is like it's desolate. He says, my heart is full of fear. It's awestruck. It's overwhelmed. It's like the enemy has come into my life and nearly left my town on the inside of me, my city on the inside of me, desolate and forsaken. And when you talk about that, when it talks about desolation in the word of the Lord, it's talking about the enemy not only going into a city and ravishing the city, but literally only leaving a few fearful old people in the city. There's very little intercourse that's going on through the gates of that city. There's very little traffic that's going on within that city because it's been left desolate. When you're in that place in your life, when you are desolate, there is very little traffic that enters into your city. Are you here tonight? There's very little interaction that comes from other people because you won't let them in there. The gates are all shut up. They're all barred. They're all locked. You just, you won't let nobody in. And you won't go out. Because you're afraid of intimacy. You are afraid of relationships. The way that you allow people into you. And the way that you go out and traffic among other people is through conversation. The Bible says about God, the first thing the Bible says about God is this, that God said. So we know that God is a God who talks. One of the first things that's ever revealed about God is God is a talking God. <clears throat> and through his ability to talk, he gets his spirit out there. I don't know if you can get this or not. But when somebody talks, their presence fills a room. Tonight, my presence is filling this room. Not physically, but spiritually. Because the way I traffic, the way I get my spirit out of the inside of me is by talking. And when I talk, my spirit goes out. And when you talk, your spirit goes out. And when I preach the word of the Lord, because it is his word, his talk, it's God talk. Then you begin to feel his presence because his spirit is in his word. If you are a person who is desolate, your city has been ravaged by the enemy. There's not very much traffic in the city. You've got all the doors closed up. You are a very quiet person. And the reason why you are a quiet person is because you are afraid of intimacy. You are afraid to let people traffic into you and you are afraid to go out to them. And so what we do is, again, because we're creating the image of God, we are communicators. That's the way we traffic in the spirit. If I want to get my spirit to you, then I open up by conversation. 
If you want to release your spirit to me, you talk to me by conversation. But if I don't want to go out and you don't want to, and I don't want you coming in, then I shut down. I stop talking. I get very quiet because I don't want intimacy because I'm afraid of it. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? It is a safety mechanism. It's your city's desolate. There's nobody moving in and out of it. It's just ravaged. And there's just a few old people there that's full of fear. That's it. That's all that's left in that city. It's not what it used to be. It's just a shade. It's just a ghost town of what it used to be, what it could have been, what it should have been, and what it used to be. That's all it is. Just a few rattling doors here and there. Not very much commerce, not very much traffic, not very much talking in those kinds of cities that are desolate. And I'm talking to you. You are a town on the inside. You are a city on the inside of you. Desolate. Deserted. Deserted from the presence of other people and deserted by the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you don't have God. I'm just telling you that when somebody is completely desolate, they are not aware of God's presence. And they also don't relate to other people's presence. I'm not talking about gifts here. I'm talking about presence, the person, the relationship. Are you here tonight? But I'm glad tonight to tell you that Jesus took your desolation when he went to the cross. So that you don't have to walk through life being afraid of trafficking with other people. Whenever, listen to me. Whenever, let me just use preaching for as an analogy. Whenever the word of God goes forth and after, let's say, an hour and a half of preaching has taken place and the Spirit of God has taken over. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, the Word's going forth. Whenever a preacher gets through, he's never more vulnerable than he is at that moment. Because he has opened himself up. He's poured down all the walls. He's opened up all the doors. And he is never more vulnerable to spirits than at, at that moment. Because he's laid down all the guards. He's laid down all the walls. He's opened up all the gates. His emotions are open. His spirit's open. And he's never more vulnerable than at that moment. And it's at that moment that strange people try to traffic in his city. Hello, somebody. But you're not, we're not going to shut up because of that. We're not going to stop trafficking because of that. We're not going to stop talking because of that. We have got to not be afraid of intimacy. We've got to be willing to go out. And we've got to be willing to let some people come in. Because if not, then we are desolate. We are overwhelmed. We are full of fear. And not much is going on. Somebody are here tonight. You get around people and they say one or two words in, in, in a month's time. That kind of blows my mind. Get around somebody, don't, they don't say nothing for weeks and weeks and weeks and months. 
They're afraid of intimacy. And I, tonight, we're going to help us all. Because <laughs> David wants to, I mean, God wants to take that desolation from David. He wants to take it from you. He wants there to be traffic in your town. So what he does is, and what you have to do, he went to the cross, and he took your desolation on the cross. Now what you have to do is you have to lift your gates to heaven. And you have, you have to ask, that town, that city of God, to come inside of your town so that you've got a town on the inside of your town and from that new creation man that new man not who you used to be not your old man not your old desolate self but the new creation man that you are you're allowing that new town on the inside of you to take up market if you will to, take, to open the door and say come on in I want to be intimate with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus took my desolation on the cross. I'm opening my gates to heaven right now. And I'm asking him to come in my town and open up shop again. I don't want to be a ghost town. I don't want to be a, just a shade of what I used to be. I don't want to be a could have been or would have been or should have been. I want to have something happen inside of me. I want my town to come back alive again. And the only way that can happen is if you open your gates to heaven and let him set up shop inside of you. And I'm thankful tonight he did that. And so I'm not walking around. Hello. And at times, listen, at times I fall into the trap. Of walking in that old desolation. Of walking in that old Adam. And walking in that old self. David's talking to himself right here. He said I'm desolate. I'm a howling wilderness. And if you're not careful. You will drift back. To what you used to be. I'm talking about in Adam. And become desolate. And a howling wilderness on the inside. And a person full of fear. And nobody getting inside of you. And nobody. You're not reaching anybody. Nobody's reaching you. You shut down shop man. And so what happens is this. You know. If you're self conscious. And we all are at times. Self conscious. Are you all with me tonight? We sit around in our little bitty city. Our little desolate city. And we talk to ourselves. Self talks to self. Self starts walking on the outside of self. I'm, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You ever watched yourself do things? Do you ever watch yourself, ladies, cleaning the house and working in the house? And, 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 and self standing outside of self and saying, boy, look at you how hard a worker you are. Boy, you're really something and nobody, nobody takes notice of what you do. And, you know, you work so hard at what you're doing. You're standing outside of yourself and watching yourself bend over those dishes and washing and cleaning those dishes. You're standing outside of self, watching self as you vacuum the rugs. And you're saying, boy, you're sure a hard worker and nobody takes notice of me. Poor, poor me. Nobody loves me. You ever talk to yourself? I talk to myself. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird, but God gave you the ability to talk to yourself. 
self talking to self. You sit there and you think, nobody loves me. I'm always, somebody's always hurting me all the time. You're talking to yourself. You're feeling sorry for yourself. Your town's closed up. And you come to church and it really gets bad in church. Because then you start talking to yourself about how awesome you are in God. In fact, when you're in the prayer room and you're praying, self's watching self pray. And then self who's watching self pray says, boy, you're an awesome prayer warrior. <laughs> but as soon as self starts talking to self about how awesome a prayer warrior they are, then God says this. You're praying to self. You're not praying to God to be heard on high from God. What you're doing, he said. Religious man walks in the temple. He's over there praying with himself. The publican walks in there. You know, a sinner walks in there. And he's praying to God. Says, God, I'm not worthy. Look upon me as you would look upon the mercy seat. And, of course, that man who's praying that way, praying to God, goes home justified. But the other man that's praying with self, I'm glad I'm not like other men. Hallelujah. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. And the whole time he's doing that is self standing outside of self saying, boy, you're awesome. Are you getting the point? You come to church and you get, boy, and you talk to yourself. You're just an awesome giver. You're an awesome soul winner. You, you're an awesome servant. Your service is incredible in the house of God. And nobody even notices you. They ought to put me on a salary at the church. I'm so efficient, and I'm the only one that can do what I'm doing, and they ought to put me on the salary of the church. And their self talking to self. Ooh, you, you don't want to hear me tonight, do you? We love to do that. We love to take pity on ourselves and talking, you know, why people don't love us and why people don't care for us. And, oh, look how hard a worker we are. Look how wonderful we are in God's church. And we're just the model saint. Look at me. And as soon as you've done that, you become desolate. Because then it's all about you. It's all about self. You're talking to yourself. That's all you, you know, it's a one-way street, one-way conversation. See, God's talking to you tonight. He's talking to all of us tonight. If we could hear what you were telling yourself, we would blush. We would be embarrassed for you. But you see, you get to sit in your plush pews tonight, and you get to keep your mouth shut. You don't have to let your spirit out. But you know, hallelujah, I'm going to talk to myself here. I'm going to talk about how wonderful I am. 
I get up here and I just expose myself. You know everything about me. You hear everything about my spirit. You know what's going on on the inside. Hallelujah. You know all my mars and all my faults and all my desolations. And you know how wonderful I am and how powerful I am. But you get to sit out there in your little town. Not going out of your town. Or not letting anybody into your town. Because you're talking to yourself the whole time. Maybe you're patting yourself on the back right now. You know. I mean you're patting yourself so hard you're about to break your arm. I can't believe they talk to me like that. I can't believe they treat me like that. Don't they know who I am? And the self is standing outside of self and talking to self about self. And nobody can get to you. And that's the way you want it. You don't want anybody touching you. You don't want any traffic inside of your city. Because then they might find out who you really are. And they might not like what they find when they find it. So you shut your mouth. You shut your gates. And there's no longer traffic going on there. Because if I let somebody into my city, they're going to find out what I'm really all about. And what if they find out what I'm really all about? Will they love me then? Well, I can't take that chance. So I'm afraid of intimacy. I'm afraid of anybody getting in that place. Because I don't want them to know what's really going on in my city. Yeah. So we put on masks. Every one of us tonight. you got a mask. Listen to me. You've got a mask for the house. When you leave church, you get in your car, you take off your church mask, and you put on your house mask. You go to your job tomorrow, you take off your house mask, you put on your job mask, and you walk into your job. You come to church on a Wednesday night, you take off your job mask, you put on your church mask. How you doing, brother? Wonderful. You lying, dog. How's the family today, brother? Oh, couldn't be better. Lying, dog. Give God some praise here. Uh, this is real stuff here. This is real stuff here. We love to put on masks. We love to put on fronts. Because then nobody can know me. But the Bible says we stand before him with open face. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are changed into the same image. God says, take your mask off your face tonight. Let him into your desolate city. Let his presence walk back in there. So then you can traffic with other people. Hallelujah. And every once in a while, self walks out of the town and we get a glimpse of self for what self is really all about and we just say you know what I don't care what you think I don't care if you like the way I'm acting or not and sometimes that's to our, to our detriment praise the Lord you're not getting it are you we don't like anybody to get too close because we are 
fearful. We have a phobia of intimacy. So just shut up. Just clam up. Put on all your masks and all your fronts all the time. And talk to yourself. Just have a conversation every day about how wonderful you are. And then sometimes it gets bad though. You sit down in your chair and you say you're a dirty skunk. You're not worth anything. I don't even like you. You know what I'm saying? So you don't even know really who in the world you are, man. You don't know if you're a dirty skunk or just an awesome saint. You know what I'm talking about. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't think like that. You wouldn't talk like that. You wouldn't act like that if you were a really Christian. And then all of a sudden, you know, you do something. And you get real pious. Oh, Lord have mercy. There ought to be a hundred of us. Hallelujah. Maybe someday the pastor, he going to realize what he got in the church. When he found me. I'm talking to you tonight. God wants us to pull down this stuff. Our, our cities are desolate. They are full of fear. There's no traffic in them. Because we're sitting around talking about us. Self is standing on the outside of self. Preoccupied with self. And so nobody can get to us. And we don't go out to anybody. But can I tell you something? When God is really in it, it's not secret. When God is really in it, he's the light of the world. He comes forth to show. He comes forth to manifest himself. So, you know, I'm just, I'm going to open up tonight. And then some of you are going to sit back there and you got gates. You got locks on them, padlocks, man. Hallelujah. Somebody walks up to shake your hand. I mean, you don't even want us to look in your eyes because your city is such a howling wilderness. But we walk around. Everything's okay. Praise the Lord. Woo yeah, doing awesome. Doing wonderful. You're lying. The only way you can be doing wonderful and awesome in your city is if the presence of the Lord God is in that city. And if you are interacting and trafficking with other people, which means you're going to have to open up There's some people I've pastored for years, I don't even know them. They've got so many walls and so many gates bolted tight on their ghost town, you couldn't get to them if you wanted to. And they're for sure not going to come out and meet you. Don't even know them. God's telling you tonight, you're a howling wilderness, but you don't have to stay that way. You can be intimate with God. And you can be intimate with people. You don't have to walk around in f afraid of intimacy. Fathers have problems with intimacy with their children. Children have fathers with intimacy with their mamas. We got all kinds of problems. We got desolate cities all around us. We're going to find out why tonight. Give God some praise. The key is to focus on who you are now in Christ. Not the old stuff and the old self. 
God's talking to us tonight. I, I know you don't like this. I know you'd rather me preach on, you know, the third dimension. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> that don't affect you then. It don't come sit beside you then. It's always just way out there, you know. But it's never attainable. So you'll praise and worship God and run shout if I preach the oneness of God. Well, you get excited about the oneness of God message. But we talk about people. We talk about desolate cities in the house. Where people don't traffic, people don't go out, and people don't come in because you don't want them to know who you are. Because you got, we got a phobia. We got a phobia. Now don't don't get caught on me. See, I'm already. I know. See, I know when I know when I'm preaching good. I know when I'm preaching good. It gets really quiet. Preacher, you're not coming in my city tonight. And I'm not going out to yours. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to act like you're not talking to me. I'm going to look on the floor, look on the ceiling, look at the babies. I don't want you to even think that you're getting to me tonight. Boy, I know what I'm talking about, man. I'm surrounded by people all the time. I mean, they just, they, they're expressionless. I looked at somebody last night in the, in the intensive care unit, you know. He's been out of church for a few years. I've been trying to get him back in the, in the house of the Lord somewhere. And I looked at him and I said, man, I said, why are you so hard? I said, why are you hard? Why are you bitter? And I, and I put it like this. Why are you hard and bitter towards me? Have I done something to you? No, 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 no. I mean, he would say he's a good friend of mine. And he would say that we have a good relationship. In fact, I want him to the Lord. But I can sense this hardness and this tough exterior that he's putting on a front. You know what I'm talking about? And I try, try to reach into there and find the real person. That's not who I know. And as soon as I said that, he said, no, man. He said, I'm not hard towards you. I had no hard feelings, not bitter. And all of a sudden, his countenance completely changed. And he came in. You know what? He said, well, we just don't have a relationship like we used to because we don't see each other. I looked at him and I said, let me tell you something. My spirit's just as tender today as it was when I knew you five years ago. It doesn't change. My spirit towards you has not changed. That's not what it's about. You got a rough, tough exterior. You don't want anybody to touch you. You're afraid of it. Thank God we don't have to stay that way. So somebody said, well, okay, Pastor, he'll help me. I am. Lift yourself up to the heaven. Lift your gates to heaven. And say, God, I'm opening up my gates right now. My eye gates, my mouth gate, my ear gate. Every gate I got, I'm lifting it to heaven right now. Invade my city tonight, Lord. Fill my city with your presence. And take that phobia away from me. Let me open up to people. And let people open up to me. Sunday night, since Sunday night, Sunday night service, there has been something that's happened in the spirit world. A few days after that, man, you know what I'm talking about? You ever, you ever gone through life, it seems like nobody likes you? And you're talking to yourself, nobody likes you. 
self standing on the outside of self. Nobody cares about you. Nobody likes you. You ever been there? Everybody, they treat you like dog walk on you. You know, I didn't do nothing to you, man. Get over it. You ever feel like that? Okay. Well, it's it's Sunday night. Something's happening in the spirit. Because people are at least treating me like a human being now. (laughs) Hallelujah, sister. I noticed Monday and Tuesday, I was actually being treated like a human being. I'm going, God, we had an awesome service Sunday night, man. Something broke in the spirit world. Now I got people out there that treat me like a human being. Praise the Lord. Feels pretty good. You know, you used to be looking at, looked at like you fell off a wagon somewhere, man. Get in the mud. You're all dirty, you know. <laughs> you kind of get self-conscious. Man, there's mud on my clothes or what, man? <laughs> Do I got snot running down my nose or what? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we start sensing that. Woo, yeah. Yeah, you don't mess with me. I'm bad, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Okay. Just sit there and be quiet. Just sit there and be quiet. Shut your city up. Give God some praise. The Lord's got to come inside of your town. He's got to come inside of your city. And I got news for you. When you open up and he walks in there, everybody's going to know it. Sister Rhonda Rhonda called me on the telephone. She said, Pastor, she said, I did just what you told us to do. I went and cast the devil out of my house. She said, I got up this morning. I'm praising the Lord. I'm so full of peace. I'm so full of victory. You know what? I didn't have to even see her to know it. Because there's something that happened to her city. The presence of the Lord came in there. And then she began to open up and let somebody into her. And she started moving out. You can tell it in a moment. If not, we just sit there and we make sure nobody knows the story. Nobody knows because I'm afraid of anybody knowing. Hey, yeah. Oh, give God some praise tonight. You know, and there's a lot of different ways we can approach it. We put the tough front on, you know. If that don't work, then we try another front. And if that don't work, we just go through our closet and pull out all of our masks until we find something. God doesn't want us to live that way. He created us before the fall to have joy in our city, to have singing in our city, to have praise in our city, to have traffic in our city, to have relationships in our city. That's the way he created us. And I hear some of you say, well, I was just raised this way. And I had a dysfunctional family. So did I. I'm quiet, you know, I'm just shy. So am I. I got to work on opening up the gates and walking out. I've got to open up. Come on. I've got to work on. God really has got to do it through me. Let somebody come in. We're afraid of that. 
aren't we? Look at your neighbor and see if they're quiet right now. Yeah. Okay. That's the way you traffic. Is by that right there. When you shut up, when you close your mouth, you're no longer trafficking. You got your spirit shackled inside. Because you're afraid. Oh, yeah. See, that church hurt me before. So now, oh, I got, you got to be careful now. Got to put your guard up now. And you walk around life. You're always with your guard up all the time. Because the church hurt you a thousand years ago. And you're still living there. Mama hurt you when you were five. And you're 49 now. But you're still living in mama's hurt. And it's just the way my mama is. I'm just like my mama. You don't have to be just like your mama. I'm just like my daddy. You don't have to be just like your daddy. He came to bring a town inside of a town. He came to set up shop so that you don't have to be what you came from. Give God some praise. Isaiah 61 verse 4. Watch what God says about the desolate. Is this making sense to anybody here tonight? How many of y'all been talking to yourself lately? Self's been standing outside of self and talking to self. Nobody else can. Right? Oh, yeah. Thank you, God, for helping me tonight. Verse 4, and they shall build. Now, who are we talking about here? They shall build the old waste places, those old cities. Watch this. <clears throat> he says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. It's been going on for a long time. The desolations of many generations. There's one city after another city. Generation from generation. That is a desolation. But God says it don't have to be that way. There's going to be some people that are going to go out of that place. And they're going to go out and reach other people and talk to other people. Be intimate with other people. God's presence is going to be there. And they're going to build those old waste places. Those desolate places. That's what God said. In 62 verse 4. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. You're not going to be called deserted anymore. You know what I'm talking about? When you're in that desolate place, you oh, I'm just forsaken. God's forsaken me. Everybody's. No. God says, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. Whenever somebody sees desolation, you know what? It overwhelms them with fear. When you see desolation and destruction, it overwhelms you with fear. But God said there's going to be a people. They're not going to be desolate anymore. People are not going to go, oh, like this to them anymore. 
but thou shalt be called Hephzibah, which means my delight is where? Where's his delight? In her. I'm going to set up a city inside of that city. That's what's going to make the difference. She's going to be Hephzibah. My delight is in hers. And thy land, Beulah. Beulah, which means married. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Not forsaken. Not deserted. Not cast out. Not destroyed. Not a ghost town. But a beautiful city that God's delight is in. A city that's married to the king. Has the presence of the king in it and traffic in the city with other people. Are you awake tonight? Look at 62 and verse 4 of Isaiah. Thou shalt no more be turned forsaken. Shall thy land any more be turned desolate? you believe that? But thou shalt be called Hephzibah in the land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be merry. He's telling you there's going to come a time when there's going to be dancing in your city again. There's going to be praising in your city again. There's going to be traffic in your city again. There's going to be intimacy in your city again. You don't have to be overwhelmed and full of fear about it. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 2. Jesus was a master when it came to intimacy. He was a master at it. How many of you believe that tonight? In Luke chapter 2 verse 41. Now watch this. Now his parents. Why are we afraid of these things? Why are we afraid of messages like this? Oh, you're not afraid, are you? Okay, good. When his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover, when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Now watch this. Whenever in this culture, when people traveled, when they trafficked among other people, the men walked with the men. And the women walked with the children. The children didn't walk with the fathers. They walked with mama. You with me? And so when Joseph and Mary are going up to Jerusalem, then, then Jesus at this time, he was walking with mama. Are you here? He's going up and how old is he? Twelve. He's fixing to experience the rite of passage. Hello, somebody. Are you getting the point? He's no longer going to be hanging off the coattails of his mama. He's fixing to get his own identity. He's fixing to walk with his daddy. He's fixing to walk with his father. He's getting ready to hear the voice of his father. Are you hearing me tonight? At 12 years of age. It's called a Jewish bar mitzvah. He's fixing to become the son of the law, bar mitzvah. He's fixing to enter into adulthood. He's fixing to go through a rite of passage. When his daddy speaks to him, that's what's going to cause the transition. Now listen to me. This is very important for you to get. Are you here? Say rite of passage. Rite of 
Bible says this, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Verse 43, and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. He's 12 years old, so he's going to the temple. Why is he going to the temple? To hear the voice of his father. I got a question for you. When did Jesus realize that he was the son of God? At what moment in his life did he get a revelation that he's not like anybody else? When did he get a revelation that he was the son of the most high God? Right here. He got that revelation at age 12. The Spirit of the Lord is leading him to Jerusalem to go to the temple. Why? So he can hear the voice of the Father in the temple. And he's going to get a revelation that he is the Son of the Father. At age 12. He's not only going to call Son of Mary, you know. He's going to be the Son of the Father. There's fixing to be a rite of passage. He's fixing to go from childhood to adulthood. But the only, listen, you've got to get this. The only way he can make that rite of passage is when he hears the voice of his daddy. And when he hears the voice of his daddy, come on. Then, and it's called bar mitzvah. Then he makes the transition from childhood to adulthood. Watch this. I'm going somewhere with this. Watch. There is a separation that's going to take place here. A separation from mama, if you will. Later on, he'll say, you know, talking about mama wanting him to do something, you know. Woman, what have I to do with thee? That wasn't a statement of rejection. That's, that wasn't a statement of, of put down when he said, woman, what do I have to do with thee? That's the highest honor that Jesus could pay Mary, his mother, is to call her woman. What have I to do with thee? You know what? Because at some point he separated from mama. Now listen. By way of maturity. Going from childhood to manhood. And the only way that's going to happen is by rite of passage. And the only way rite of passage can take place is if the daddy speaks over the, the, the little girl. Or if the daddy speaks over the little boy. There's got to be a father that talks to those children. To the young girl and to the young boy. And calls them into maturity. Manhood. And until you hear your daddy say to you, you're a beautiful woman. You're an awesome man. If you've never heard that spoken to you, then you have never had the rite of passage. And you have no idea how to be a man. And you have no idea of how to be a woman. Because you've never heard the voice of your daddy tell you that you're an awesome man. Right now, from this day forward, you're not a baby anymore. You're a man. From this day forward, you're not a little girl anymore. You're a woman. There has to be a rite of passage in your life before you can ever enter into manhood or womanhood is the point. Are you getting this? 
Listen to me, please. I'm trying to show you why so many of us are desolate. Why some of us are afraid of intimacy. We don't know how to be a man and we don't know how to be a woman. Because we never had a father that said, now you're an adult. So we're children living in adult bodies. Because we never had a relationship with our daddies. Men or women. Never had the rite of passage. And don't know how important that is spiritually. Now listen to me very carefully. We're desolate on the inside. We're afraid of intimacy because of that. Fathers don't know how to father. Men don't know how to be men. Women don't know how to be. They don't know how to be women. Their little girls shut up in women's bodies. Little boys shut up in men's bodies. Because they never had a rite of passage. They never heard their daddy say, you're an adult now. Now listen, where do we go with this? This problem we've got. And this fear. You know what I'm saying here? Are you getting this? That's, let me use the men for example. That's why we don't know if it's okay to cry. We don't know if it's okay to express affection. We don't even know if it's okay to be angry sometimes. We have no idea how we're supposed to react and live as men. Hello? Because we never. Now I can talk from experience. Now some of you had model, model moms and dads. Okay? I had a model mom. But and I'm not going into my past because I don't live in my past. I literally had to go in that prayer room and recall my past. I have so forgotten it, I didn't even remember where I came from. God has so delivered me from that stuff. I had to think, it, think about it. Had to re- bring that back to my memory. God has so set me free from that past. And so I'm not going to get up here and give you the horror story of my past. Hello, somebody. I'm trying to give you an answer tonight. You are not supposed to walk in that. But what do I do, Pastor? I never heard my daddy's approval over me. I never heard my daddy say, this is my, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I've never heard my daddy say, this is my, my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Now she's a woman. I never heard that. And I went through my whole life trying to get the approval of daddy. And so now I'm in adulthood, but I never had a passage into adulthood. So I don't know how to be an adult. Are you awake tonight? But God's going to help us. We're going to find out what to do. Watch this. They lose Jesus in a sense. The mother doesn't know where he is. Joseph doesn't know where he is. Why? Because he's 12. He's just bar mitzvahed. But sometimes even after the bar mitzvah, after daddy says he's a son of the law, even at that point, sometimes the son would walk with the mother back home. Are you awake tonight? There hasn't been a complete separation there yet from childhood to adulthood. Oh, come on, man. Don't look at me like that. Don't tell me that most of us are not living in a childhood. Notice. But they supposed him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk. 
and acquaintance. Yeah, amen. And when they found him not, they turned back again, Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. What for? He went there to hear the voice of his daddy. I'm going to prove it to you by the word of God. He went there to become a sign, to grow up, to become mature by rite of passage, by hearing his voice, the daddy's voice. What? The Bible says this. Is this doing anything for you? The Bible says this. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard them were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold thy father. And I have sought thee sorrowing. Did you get it? Now watch. And he said, How is it that you sought me? Which you know that I must be about my father's business. I came here to hear the voice of my daddy. I came here to have a rite of passage. I came here to mature. I came here to be a son of my daddy. I came here to become adult. I came. Oh, yeah, come on. Get this. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. To who? To his mother and his father. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. He wasn't talking about just Joseph. Joseph in bar, on Bar Mitzvah Day would have called him the son of the law. But he wasn't just going there just to hear the voice of his natural father. He went to the temple to hear the voice of his spiritual father. Now, hang on to that. Hang on to that. Now, watch. The Bible says this, verse 51, he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He is not a howling wilderness. He is not a desolate person. He's heard the voice of his daddy. There's been a rite of passage. He's now walking in a place of maturity. And he's increasing in wisdom. As a man. He's increasing in wisdom. As a man, he's increasing physically. As a man, he's growing in favor spiritually with God and with man socially. So that even Jesus, and we know he's God, and we focus on God, him being God, and we preach the oneness of God. But you know what we lose? The fact that he was 100% man. He was a true man. And as a man, he had to mature into that manhood. And it began with the rite of passage by hearing his daddy. This is, all right, you with me here. I'm trying to show you that Jesus being God was a real man. He increased in wisdom, in physical strength, stature. 
in his relationship spiritually with God and with man. He, come on, he wasn't desolate. He wasn't afraid of intimacy because the presence of God was with him as a man and he could relate to people. He increased as a man. All of us are growing. You increase as young women. You're not what you will be. You're growing. You're maturing. You're getting wiser. You're going in stature. Some of you literally. You're growing in your relationship with God and with people. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't quit the race. You've got to understand that even the perfect man, Jesus, grew into manhood. And there's nobody that could relate to people like Jesus could. He could relate to his friends. Even when his friends denied him, he could still relate to his friends in such an awesome way that after they denied him, he didn't even bring it up. After they betrayed him, he didn't even bring it up. He just said, go on forward. He knew how to relate to friends. Can you do that? See, we've got to get to a place where we don't carry a lot of grudges in us. Well, they didn't do what's right. You know, well, yeah, we all got some of that stuff inside of us. But you know what? We got to get to a place where we don't even bring it up. Yeah, it's eating on us, but I don't even want to bring it up. Just want to say, go on. Let's go on with God here. Let's go on with God here. He could relate to friends. He wasn't afraid of intimacy. He could relate to women. Are you hearing me tonight? Jesus could rightly relate to women. He wasn't afraid of relating to women. He wasn't afraid of that. You know, and in that day, Jesus talked to women publicly. And in that day, you don't do that. In fact, history tells us that the, the Pharisees, if they saw a woman, they'd shut their eyes. Oh, there's a woman. And, and they were called the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. You come up to a bruised and, bleed, bruised and bleeding Pharisee, you knew exactly what he was about. He would not look at a woman, so he closed his eyes, he'd run into poles. I'm telling you the little truth. Oh, there's a woman. I can't look at her. And then when you close your eyes, <laughs> you're seeing her the way you didn't want to see her when you close your eyes. Oh, Lord, don't talk to me. <laughs> but see, Jesus could rightly relate to women. He could talk to them in public. And he did not look at them as objects. He looked at them as persons. He wasn't afraid of intimacy. Listen to me. He wasn't afraid to relate to his friends. He wasn't afraid to relate to women. And he wasn't afraid to relate to children. He's the perfect man. He had such an awesome spirit. His city was so wonderful that little children just crawled all over him. 
they felt comfortable in his presence. Because he can rightly relate to children. And sometimes children are hard to relate to. But Jesus had this winsomeness about him and this spirit about him that children just love to be around him. Crawled all over him, pulled on his beard. He said, let you come to, to me as a little child. You can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You got to come like a baby. Hello, somebody. He was, a, he was the master at intimacy. He even knew how to relate to his enemies perfectly. His enemies. He'd walk up. You know how he'd relate to them? He'd tell them the truth. He'd tell them the truth. And then he'd weep over them. Come on, are you with me? He looked at Jerusalem. The Bible said he wept over the city because at that moment they were his enemies. And it doesn't mean he just shared a, shed a few tears. The Bible, what it means by that, when he wept over that city, he was convulsing. He was in agony. He was crying. He was sobbing over Jerusalem, his enemies. He was a perfect man. He knew how to relate. And at this moment in his life, it's a rite of passage. He's going to hear his father, his voice. You're the son of God. And later on at his baptism, when he becomes 30 years old, he will literally hear that. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So he's growing in manhood. He's becoming a man. I hate to bore you tonight, but it's the word of the Lord. So let me go back to this. Okay, you with me? The reason why women are not women today. Is because they never had a daddy that gave them a rite of passage. And the reason why men are not men today is because they never had daddy give them the rite of passage. So they don't know how to be a man. And they don't know how to be a woman. Watch me. Listen. Listen. It is essential. It's necessity for you to have a father that gives you a rite of passage. If you don't have that. Watch what if you grew up and you didn't have a father that gave you a rite of passage? You just passed into life, into adulthood, but you're still a child on the inside. Listen to me, church. What if your daddy was never there for you? Then you're afraid of intimacy. You know why there are homosexuals? A homosexual is a person who's longing for the touch of their daddy. And they're longing to hear the voice of their daddy. So they go out and find somebody that's like their daddy. So they can have that rite of passage. Or they'll go out and they'll marry a strong woman. A dominating, domineering personality. Because they didn't have their daddy to speak over their life and to touch them and to show them proper authority. So they married a strong-willed woman. Are you with me tonight? Because I got to get me a mama. I got to get somebody to mommy me. I got to get somebody to take care of me because I never learned how to be a man. So they, were, they, they married dominating women. 
What if your dad was never there for you? What if your dad deserted you? What if your dad never gave you the rite of passage? What if he never said, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. You're an awesome man. You're an awesome woman. What if you never had that? You've never had a rite of passage. Are you hearing what I'm trying to get across to you tonight? What if all your daddy did was pass to you evil? Hello? If you don't know what to do with it, then you will become the same thing and you will give the same thing to your children. You've got to learn how to deal with this stuff. My daddy never held me. My daddy never loved me. My daddy never gave me a rite of passage. My daddy never spoke over my life. My daddy never touched me. He was gone. Or what if your daddy was abusive to you? All you ever knew was a daddy that was abusive. Or what if your daddy was absent, again, going back to that, absent from your life. He was out there in the world making money, making you a living, and you never saw him. He's a hard worker, yes, but he was never a father to you. So what do you do with all this abuse and all this absent, absenteeism? And, and what do you do with all this evil that your daddy gave to you? And what do you do with this, this fact that he deserted you? And what do you do with this fact that he wasn't in your life? And he never was, he never spoke a rite of passage to you. And now you're going through life and you're struggling with relationships. You're struggling with your children. You're struggling with your wife. Your wife's struggling with you. Because she don't know how to be a woman and you don't know, and he don't know how to be a man. Are y'all awake tonight? Afraid of intimacy. Lock all the doors because I don't want anybody to know me. You know what you do? You have to do this right here. You can't sit there and say, well, my mom and my dad, they were just no good. That's right. Pastor, you're hitting it right on the head. I wish my mom and daddy were here right now. They abused me, mistreated me, dysfunctional family. I turned out like I am because of them. Stop using that as an excuse. You have to get beyond the abuse. You have to get beyond the absentee. You have to be, get beyond the evil that your daddy passed to you. You have to get beyond the place in your life where you're looking for his approval. What you have to do is you have to, okay, that's right. My mom and dad were like that. They weren't there for me, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they passed on things to me other than a rite of passage. Didn't show me how to be a man or a woman. Okay, are y'all here with me tonight? And they did that. It's not going to do you any good to sit around and meditate on that. Not one thing is going to come from it. You can't change the unchangeable. You've got to stop living in the past. Because you're becoming just like they are. You cannot change the unchangeable. So what you have to do is you have to hear the voice of your true daddy. 
you have to at some point stop holding your parents in prison for how you turned out and stop using that as an excuse as to how you turned out you have got to forgive them you have got to release them you've got to open the door of that prison cell and say come on out go out of here daddy I release you from that and when you release them then you become released from it You have to let them go. You have to forgive them. You have to say, okay, God, I need to hear you say to me tonight that I am your son. I need to hear God, the true father, come over here and give me a rite of passage and say, you're my son. I've got to be able to say, Abba, father, you're my true father. I've got to hear my true father say, you're my son. And as soon as I hear my daddy's voice, my Abba's voice, whoo, then I can say, now I choose what he chooses and I will what he wills. And I'm going to let him be strong through me. I'm going to confess and I'm going to say this. I'm not a, I'm not a good man. Uh, let me just put it this way. Let's, let's say it this way. Father God, help me to be the man I'm supposed to be. Father God, help me to be the father I'm supposed to be. I can't do it. I'm weak. I need you to make me the man I need to be. You need to, I need you to make me the father that I need to be. I need you to make me to be the pastor that I should be because I can't do it. I'm weak in myself. I need to hear you give me a rite of passage. And I'm not going to live in the past of what I didn't get from my earthly fathers. I'm looking to him right now. I'm not going to shut the doors and the gates of my city because I'm afraid of intimacy. Afraid somebody's going to hurt me. Afraid somebody's going to find out, you know, that I'm weak. Afraid somebody's going to find out who I really am, you know. And I don't like to get around people who have pain because it reminds me of mine. So I stay away from anybody that's got pain or will remind me about my pain. You don't want me to talk like this, do you? And I stay away from anybody that makes me feel shame. Or I see shame in them. I don't want anything to do with them because that's who I am. So close all the gates. No trafficking in your city. Because you don't want nobody to know who you are. But Jesus was the master when it came to intimacy with people. You know why? This is my son. He heard the voice of his father. So what we do then, we say, okay, God, be it in me. Be it through me. Be the man I'm supposed to be. Be the father I'm supposed to be. Come on through me. Give me the strength I need to have. God, help me to be the woman I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I'm going from one relationship to another relationship trying to find some man to give me approval. And so I go from one bed to another bed, but you'll never find it there. You can only find it in the voice of your true daddy. (laughs) 
And so what happens, we repeat the cycle in our own lives, and then we pass it down to our children, and they repeat it in their lives. It's, from, it's a desolation from generation to generation. Break the curse! Send it to the blood! Say, that's not who I'm going to be! I'm going to walk in my newness. I'm going to let Jesus do it through me. And I'm going to look at him. I'm going to look, at my, I look to my true father. And I'm going to find out what kind of father he is. And the way I'm going to do that is by looking at Jesus. And I'm going to see the way that Jesus loved. And the way that Jesus was intimate. And the way Jesus reached out. And the way Jesus interacted. Come on, are you with me tonight? And I'm going to let him take my pain. And I'm going to let him heal my wounds. So that then, if when he does that, then I can go out there without intimidation, without fear. Open the gates of the city and say, come on in here. Hey, let, let me get to you. Let, let me, let me uh, have traffic with you. Let me be intimate with you. Let me have a relationship with you. Okay? Instead of putting up all these blocks you got up, all these fronts, all these gates. It'll never work. You're miserable. And you see yourself, and you talk to yourself. I'm just like my mama. I'm just like my daddy. I know it. I'll never be, I'll never be able to get the victory over this. I'm just like him. And I, I've got God in my life, but I'm still just like him. That's where you're wrong. And even if you had the model father and the model mother in your life, it's still not good enough. You've got to have contact with the Heavenly Father or you will have no idea. Who you are. You don't have an identity. Until you hear daddy say, this is my son. That's my daughter. You're an awesome woman. You're an awesome man. This is probably one of the most important messages I've ever brought to you. Your marriages are dysfunctional. Mine is sometimes. Hallelujah. Be honest with you. Okay. Until Jesus rises up in me. When Jesus rising up in me. Everything's wonderful. It's wonderful. The city. The, man, it's happening, man. Hallelujah. But if I want to stay the old way, I'm desolate and miserable. Don't even know my purpose. Don't have an identity. Don't know who I am. And I go from one relationship to another relationship trying to find it. One job to another job to another job to another job. One church to another church to another church to another church. Another church, another church, another church. Because I don't want anybody to know me. Because I'm sure as soon as they find out who I am, they're not going to like me. So I'll hurry and I'll quit. And I'll go somewhere else before they find out. Well, it's quiet in here, isn't it? And that's the way we live life. These fronts we got up. And all these excuses that we carry with us. Say, Lord, speak to me. Show me how. Father, show me when it's okay to cry. Show me, Father, when it's okay to be angry. Jesus was angry. 
show me when it's okay to be angry. Show me when it's okay to cry. Show me when it's okay to have affection. Show me it's okay when it's okay, when it's appropriate. You have to show me, Lord, because I don't even know. And he will. He'll come to you and he'll say, it's all right right now. Jesus was so balanced emotionally. He was perfectly balanced emotionally. He could be angry one minute and weeping in another moment. He's so perfectly balanced. He never wept out of turn. He never, yeah, come on. He never, he never grieved when he should have been angry. He never was angry when he should have been compassionate. He was perfectly balanced. But we're not as people. And I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to me and I'm talking to you. We live in a desolate city. Nobody coming in my, my life. And I'm not going out to nobody else. I'm just going to get quiet because I don't like intimacy. And I blame it on everybody else. And that gives me the right to be who I am. Aren't you glad that God has a word for you tonight that you don't have to stay that way? Go, go to Isaiah 50 and verse 4, and I'm going to show you. The key. The key. Amen. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. I'm not going to rush in there. I told, I told a guy last night. I said, you know what? If we're not careful, we are miserable comforters. We sit around. We want to explain everything. We know what happened to these people. We know. Yeah, we got all the answers. I said, you know what? Sometimes I just grow weary with, with just trying to explain to people why. You don't know why always. God, Jesus said this. He said, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. God showed me how to talk. God showed me how to communicate. God showed me how to have intimacy. God showed me how to have traffic. God showed me how to let my spirit go out from among me. And then let your spirit come into me by conversation. Praise the Lord. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. What are you going to say if you're full of pain to somebody who's in pain? You got the words? Have you ever been thrust in a situation where you, you're surrounded by pain and surrounded by grief and you don't have nothing to say? You don't know what to say, do you? You know why? Because you're full of pain. And how does somebody that's got pain relate to somebody else that's got pain? Because that just reminds you of what you've got. And for you to get involved in their problem reminds you of your problem. So shut it down. So he says this. I don't even know how to talk. God's going to have to teach me how to talk. 
I'm going to have to get, God's going to have to heal my pain so I can reach out to somebody else. Somebody else. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. I'm waiting for the voice of the Father. That's a prophecy of Jesus. He said, I'm waiting for the voice of the Father. And when God tells me what to say, I'll know it's the Lord. And I won't have to be afraid anymore about, oh, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to say? What are they going to think? Oh, oh, just wringing my hands. Worried, 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 worried. So put all these prunts up, you know. <laughs> I said, okay, I can't do it on my own. But I choose what you're choosing today. I choose your will, God. And I ask you, God, to come inside of me with your will. Do your will through me. Jesus in the garden said to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. It's not in man to direct his own paths. It's not in you to direct your own paths. Got to hear the voice of the Father. And so every morning, wake up and say, okay, go ahead, Father, speak to me right now. And something happens in your life. God, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to say? Do you want me to shut up and not say anything? Do you want me to just listen instead of talking so much? Wait for the Father to speak to you and give you a rite of passage. God's good. I'm thankful for the truth tonight. It's, it's really pretty simple, isn't it, when it all comes down to it? It's all about Jesus and your relationship with Him. If you don't have a right relationship with Him, you're not a true man and you're not a true woman. And you're struggling with all these problems in relationships. How do I treat my wife? How's my wife supposed to treat me? On and on it goes. Are you hearing me tonight? Give God some praise. I got good news for you. God is an awesome God. And he can take a desolate situation, a howling wilderness, and turn it into a beautiful city. Hetzbalah. My delight is in her. Beulah married. No longer called forsaken. No longer called desolate or deserted. Some of you don't believe it. That's your problem. You have, you have got historical faith. You've got historical faith. You believe everything that happened in the Bible historically, but you don't believe it can happen for you. You believe everything that's going to happen in the future, but you don't have any faith for today. You've got historical faith, and you live there. Would to God that God could take us out of our old stuff so that we could walk in our newness. And be transformed. So that when people look at you, they don't even recognize you.
Aren't you so-and-so, son? Only physically. Well, you look a little bit like him physically, but you don't act like him at all. Praise God. Praise. That's right. But I was heading the wrong direction. The only thing that turned me around is my relationship with the Lord. Wow, don't even talk like him. Praise God for that. He's an awesome God of regeneration. And I'm thankful that, was, that one day I heard him say, my son, my son. So now I'm going through life and I'm trying. Hallelujah. I don't even, I'm, I don't even like to use the word try. I don't even like that word try. You know what it should be? Will it through me, God. I give my will to your will. Will it through me. Take over my will. I choose what you choose. I'm not, forget trying. Forget that stuff. We've tried long enough. With very little change. Here I am, Lord, speak. Here I am, God, change me. Here I am, God, live it through me. Here I am, God, hallelujah, make me a man, God. Here I am, God, make me a woman, God. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it free? And isn't it just so practical? I'm reminded of Jephthah, and, I, and as I'm closing, Jephthah, was born to a harlot. But he became a mighty judge in Israel. There really is no illegitimate children. Illegitimate parents, yeah. But no illegitimate children. You're here on purpose. God wanted you here. And he's got an awesome plan for your life. And I don't care what your background is. You can become a powerful man in God and a powerful woman in God. But you've got to know what to do with this. And I will say this. You've got to mourn your loss, but you can't change the unchangeable. You've got to mourn the fact that it, that it wasn't there for you. Take it to Jesus. Let him call you son. You call him father. See the father through Jesus Christ. And let him live it through you. It's pretty, pretty wild, isn't it? See, we like the control, don't we? We like the control. Yeah, we do. That's our security. For men. For, for some men, it's macho. I'm macho. Yeah, you're macho. No, you just, you're messed up and you know you are. And you need God. And I'm telling you, and I close with this, if you're a mother and a father, you need to love your children. You need to pick them up and you need to hold them. Daddies, you need to hold your daughters. You need to love them. You need to tell them how beautiful they are. 
You need to get rid of that macho thing that you learn. It says you're not supposed to let your daughters know how much, how beautiful they are. And you're not supposed to hold your daughters. Friend, if you don't, they're going to try to find somebody that's going to replace you. And they'll go from one relationship to another, one bad relationship to another bad relationship. Because they're trying to find what daddy did not give them. And daddies, you got to pick up your sons. And you've got to speak over them. You've got to tell them you're going to be an awesome man of God. Your daddy loves you. You're an awesome young man. You need to touch your sons. Hold them and speak over their lives. Because if they don't, they're going to go out in a life and they're going to be perverted. And they're going to be looking for somebody to speak into their lives what you didn't speak in their lives. And they'll shut the world off. And they will not talk because they're afraid of intimacy because they don't know how to handle it. This is powerful. This is, this is the word of the Lord. This is, this is not philosophy. This is not psychology. This is the word of the Lord to you. You've got to get a hold of this and get a hold of it now. You've got to stop the curse now in your life. That's it. That's it. My children are not going to walk in that. My grandchildren are not going to walk in that. I put a stop to it now. I choose what he chooses. I will the will of God in my life. And I'm going to open up for the presence of the Lord and the presence of people in my life. And I'm going to stop running. Hiding. We're afraid of each other. We're in a church together. We're afraid. We're scared half to death of each other. <laughs> That's right. Mm, they're not too, get, too close to that brother or that sister there. Mm -mm. Boy, they're they going to find out stuff about me, and then they'll tell the pastor. <laughs> He might not love me. He finds out that. <laughs> Praise God. <sighs> Let Jesus build his city. Let him paint the walls. And you know what? It doesn't happen overnight. If you're a ghost town, it doesn't happen overnight. He comes in there, he puts his city within your city, and he goes into remodeling. He starts working on you. And this is the, I promise the last thing I'm going to tell you. Because I'm really opening it myself here, you know. <laughs> to the point I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> No, I know what I was going to say. I stood up one time in a Pentecostal church. And I was the pastor of that church. And I made this statement. He's still working on me. And when I got through making that statement. <laughs> 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 he 
Hey, you know who wrote that song, He's Still Working on Me, don't you? No, tell me. Inform me, please. A backslidden Pentecostal wrote that song, He's Still Working on Me, say they to me. Like I had perpetrated false doctrine in the house of God. It's called sanctification. That's not error. That's, that's Bible. Sanctification is a process of getting rid of the old stuff out of me. Remodeling going on. Painting. Painting. He's in there. He's painting the walls. And getting rid of a little bit. Getting rid of that old lumber and stuff out of me. And putting up some new lumber there. And Yeah, but you know what? You get around religious people. He's not working on me true <laughs> true statement true statement I've been around the block a few times this is not the only church I've ever pastored thank you Jesus God's good isn't he aren't you glad you just be free It's an awesome thing, man. Awesome thing. Praise God. Have the joy of the Lord. Have, have some dancing going on inside your city. Some singing. Some leaping. People in your town. Or do you just like being lonely? There are people that are lonely right here tonight in this church. They're in a crowd, but they're lonely. Because they've never let anybody in, and they're for sure not going out. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today in your awesome name, Jesus, that you are doing an awesome work in us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the Son of Man. I can look at your life, Lord can see you as a true man how you walk through life how you related to people to men women children enemies I can't do it Lord but you can do it through me I lift up my gates to heaven tonight Lord Jesus I open them up and I'm willing, Jesus, to take the risk of being hurt. I'm willing to take the risk to speak truth, even if it means they kill you. Even if it means a cross. Because my confidence and my identity is found in my relationship with you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever thought about Jesus being compassed by dogs? Have you ever thought about him he's hanging on the cross? The horns of the unicorn? Letting his own creation take him and Crucify him like they did. He didn't go hide somewhere.
he went out right in the middle of all of it. He went to them and he let them come to him. And ultimately, he went to the cross for it. And surrounded by crazy, crazy dogs and unicorn serpents. They sat there and they watched him there. They mocked him and laughed at him. He laid it down. He died for people. He didn't live in a desolate house. And if you walk among people, you feel their spirits. You know they got demons and they walk with invisible friends. You can feel their spirits, their hatred to the Jesus that's inside of you. They don't have to say it. But you know what? You still got to go out there. And you still got to lay. You got to say, okay, I'm available to you. You've got to have something inside of you that's different from what they've got. You've got to, you should have Jesus in you here. I want him to manifest. I, want, I don't want people to see me. I want people to see Jesus in me. They might hate you. They might despise you. And they might want to crucify you. But when they get away from you, they'll say, they got Jesus. I know one thing. They got Jesus. I see Jesus in them. Lord, with God, that's where we are. Praise God. I love y'all. I pray this service tonight has helped you. Hallelujah. Man, I feel like I can't shut up. The Holy Ghost just keeps talking to me. You know? But I just don't have no friends. And <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? Well, maybe if you just open up your city for a while. Maybe if we'd stop being introverts. Some of y'all gave me that, that scorpion gaze. I'm going to preach sometime the scorpion gaze. Some of y'all gave me that scorpion. Not really. I love you. I know you got God. Hallelujah. You're blessing me with your eyes. Bless, the, bless my pastor, Lord. Bless him. Bless him. Love him. God love him. God love him. I'm going to let you go. Y'all be blessed. If you don't get this, you'll struggle the rest of your life. But it's going to take the rest of your life to get it. Yeah, it will. Lots of prayer. Lots of fasting. Lots of God working on us. Aren't you God, glad God will change you slowly? Aren't you glad he didn't quit on you? Aren't you glad he didn't quit on me? <laughs> And I know I need the most help. I can hear you screaming at me. Boy, Pastor, you need a lot of help. I know that. I'm very, very aware of that. I'm extremely aware of that. Will you pray for me? Hallelujah. I'm vulnerable tonight. How about you? Your pastor says, oh, come on, let's worship God. Let's praise the Lord. Mm, oh, I better not. Somebody going to be looking at me. 
Mm, I'm going to open up here. I'm going to get vulnerable. My spirit's going to go out. Yeah. That's the only way to live. Love you. You're dismissed. It's only 907. Do you know that song? <laughs>